This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the Female Startup Club, hosted by Dune Roshin and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you're looking for a new podcast, the Female Startup Club shares tips, tactics, and strategies from the world's most successful female founders, entrepreneurs, and women in business to inspire you to take action and get what you want out of your career. One of my favorite episodes, Who Should Be Your First Hire? What's your funding plan? Dr. Lisa Creven shares her top advice from building Spotlight Oral. Listen to the Female Startup Club wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Jack McGinnis. He is a management consultant with over 35 years in the business. After serving with the U.S. Army's 10th Mountain Division, he helped build a successful boutique management consulting firm where he served as the chief operating officer for 13 years. In 2009, he co-founded a new firm with West Point, with his West Point classmate called Relationship Impact, a consulting firm focused on working with CEOs to unleash the potential of their leadership teams. And today we're going to talk about his newest book called Building Great Leadership Teams, a practical approach to unleashing the full potential of your teams. So, Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, John. It's good to see you again. So, the 10th Mountain Division, did you learn to ski when you were... Uh, yeah, um... <laughs> no, it was roughly cold. I, we were, it was in upstate New York on the foot of Lake Ontario or the tip of Lake Ontario. And it was people from the 6th Infantry Division used to come in for, for cold weather training. It was that cold. But it used to, well, it used to be in Colorado. And, well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. That's in fact, there's a whole system of huts and things that they've kept up in the mountains and refurbished, and now you can you know cross country ski and hike to them and and rent them out in the winter. And and I just beca- I've gone to a couple of them, and I read a pretty fascinating account about the that division's uh, role in World War II. And Heck pretty, yeah, pretty fascinating. Pretty exactly. fascinating. Yeah, and in Italy, I think they have. Yeah, they exactly. Yeah. yeah, and they played a huge role in in the first Gulf War too. Is that right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. So I have to start on the cynical side first yeah, sure. um, <laughs> from a questioning standpoint. There are a lot of leadership books of late. It seems like more and more of late for dysfunction of a team who moved my cheese, you know, turn the ship yeah. around. You can all these kind of pop titles that are out there. So I'll let you tell me why does the world need another leadership book? What, what is this book going to bring to to the genre, if you will, that makes it significant? You know, I think the reason I actually wrote it, because I agree with you, there's a lot of good stuff out there, too. It's not yeah. just flaky stuff. There's yeah. some flaky stuff, too, but there's some really good stuff out there. There's not a lot on building leadership teams. There's a lot right. on teams. There's a lot on, you know, leadership in general. But yeah. on building leadership teams, not so much. And so that's really why I, I, I felt like I had something to say after yeah. doing this yeah. for 14 years. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, start a business and with an idea and then it grows up and all of a sudden they find themselves being a manager leader (laughs) without maybe without any desire to be so, but also, you know, kind of realizing that's the only way to make this thing bigger. So why for particularly for that group of people, is this such a challenge? Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it is a challenge for them. No question about it for, for a lot of them, but it's what, what I found is that it's a challenge for those that have 
you know, started in a management training program and growing up the ranks in a mid-sized company and building a leadership team is hard. And it's, it's, you can't just throw a group of talented individual players that are good at their individual function, sales, marketing, CFO, operations, yeah. you can throw them together. And that's what most fir- companies do. And some have a lot of success with it. And others often struggle with the dysfunction that re- results from not stepping back and really thinking through what does a leadership team need to be doing for this organization at this time in its yeah. journey. Well, I imagine one of the challenges is that as a company, particularly as a company grows and they start having teams, plural, it, it really, you know, it's not like somebody sat out and said, let's poof, build a team, right? I mean, a right. team sort of assembles and doesn't that make it, doesn't that dynamic alone make it difficult to have everybody get along? So it, uh, it, it does. It, it, yeah. it, it absolutely does. And that, and thus the premise behind The book is very much leadership teams are critical for the health and productivity of an organization because everyone looks up to the leaders in the organization to see how well they're working together and holding each other accountable. Not so much how much they like each other, but how they're holding each other accountable. And in order to do that well, you have to have a good structural foundation for your team like the blocking and tackling things that are elemental for, you know, running a meeting well, for example, the bit, you know, most basic of things that often are, is not well done. And you have to really set up the right relational dynamics and just step back and say, Hey, look, all of us are different. We've all come from different places, journeys, and that's great. But what do we need from each other at this particular juncture in this organization's journey? And, and if you don't step back and do that, you put structure in place that sometimes causes some relational strife, right? We'll put, you know, and, and not necessarily intentionally even, but we'll put structure in place like that. We'll define roles and we'll assume that everyone knows what the marketing the, you know, delivery focus folks are supposed to do and the sales folks are supposed to do. And it's the gray areas between those roles that gets teams in trouble and then bleeds down to the rest of the organization as well sometimes. And so it's really that helping, you know, build the right structure and just talk about what the structure should look like. It, 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 it saves so much pain on the back end because we're not pointing fingers at, as much at, at, at each yeah. other for stupid things. Look, people are going to argue, people are going to, you know, get into confrontations. And that's a good thing if they're fighting about the right stuff. So one of the very first steps, of course, which makes a ton of sense, but probably people don't think about it enough, is a lot of times we think in terms of, oh, we have to fill this function or this job on the team as opposed to who would be the right person. That's right. So, so how, you know, how do you, and I'm, I'm guessing it's different for every company because every culture is different, but you know, how do you start looking at who should be on the team? Well, of course, you know, the functional business unit leaders are, you know, are the natural, you know, people that people, you know, that CEOs point to. right? Right. And that's fine. It's a great starting point. The challenge is 
we have to step back and say, what are the unique capabilities that these individuals need to have to be a really good leadership team member? Things like the ability to think beyond today, to, to think beyond today's problem or the next three months and help the organization, help the team think a little further out than that. And not, I'm not talking about a strategic planning effort. I'm talking about just the foresight necessary to how, you know, what's going on in my environment that's going to, you know, going to impact how we're operating today. It's things like managing complexity. You know, can, yeah. do we have the ability to deal with all the stuff that comes with rising in an organization and now I'm not just a functional player, but I have more things thrown at me, more discussions I'm having about broader issues. Can I take that those things in and deal with the complexity and make sense of it? And more importantly, help the folks under me make sense of it. And perhaps more important than anything is, do I have the innate capability to have a, an organization focus or what we call a greater good focus rather than a functional focus, right? And so we we know that not every leader has those innate characteristics to start, right. but identifying that they need to have some development on those characteristics is very important. And it's a missed opportunity we find often. And now let's hear from our sponsor. You know, as a business owner, you eventually realize you can't do everything yourself, but hiring is complicated. And what if you only need part-time help? Your job is to be the visionary, but instead you spend countless hours on tasks that could be done easily and arguably better by someone else. And that's where the powerful multiplying effects of delegation are mission critical. Our friends at Belay can help. Belay is an incredible organization revolutionizing productivity with their virtual assistants, bookkeepers, website specialists, and social media managers for growing organizations. To help you get started, Belay is offering their latest ebook, Delegate to Elevate, for free to all of my listeners. Now, in this ebook, you'll learn how to reclaim time to focus on what you can do by delegating. To download your free copy, just text TAPE to 55123, that's T-A-P-E, to 55123. Accomplish more and juggle less with Belay. I should just ask you this, but I know the answer to it already. But yeah. when you see teams break down, uh, what, what is the, what's the single greatest factor? Oh, it, the, the greatest factor is the inability to have tough conversations about or productive conversations about the most important things that they're facing, not about trivial crap, to focus on what's most important. And what that means is that we have to disagree with each other sometimes because we come at things in di from different perspectives. And the it's, ability, it's tough to it's tough to disagree if you don't trust. I mean, that's what I was really amen. At. You know, <laughs> right? and, so, and so the relational dynamics here are really important. It's do we trust each other enough where we can have those tough conversations without being judged, without being shut down, without having my colleague go talk to the CEO after the meeting and tell him how what a stupid idea it was. And then ultimately, you know, we've never really gotten to this, but we aspire, every team we work with, we, our aspiration is that they are able to hold each other accountable without just the power accountability in the room. Now, that's a heavy lift. That's a hard thing to get to for any team. 
but when you can move towards it, move the needle towards it, and even be spastic as you're getting towards it, that progress really helps build the fibers amongst the team members. Do, do you think that it's a good idea for teams to intentionally seek diversity? And I'm not just necessarily talking about race or ethnicity, but I mean, diversity of ideas, diversity of backgrounds. I mean, do you think that plays a role or does that make it harder? It it makes it harder. It makes it harder for sure. No question about it. But it's absolutely crucial. Like we, we see often CEOs that will hire people or promote people that are just like them. Right. You know, she grew up in the organization very similar to I did in a sales role and then went to a marketing role. And she's got a very, you know, people oriented approach to her. So I'm going to put, I'm going to bring her up and that's great, but not everyone can have the same or shouldn't have the same way of thinking. Look, it happens and, and that's fine, but you have to compensate for it. You have to ask yourself questions like, what are we missing here? Because we all think about this the same way, right? And it's right, just, right. it's the step back type of things you have to do. So the hiring environment, even retention environment right now of employees is, is as we, we all know, is, you know, a much top to, talked about topic in the news. So how do you, I mean, is what you're talking about as much a retention tool and a recruitment tool as it is a productivity tool? Well, I think, you know, there's no question about it because a, look, the CEO's job it is a big one. It doesn't matter what size the organization, obviously it gets more complex and more, you know, as the bigger you get, the more span of control you have. The CEO's job is really to create the conditions for his or her team to build a productive and healthy organization. And those things are always, not always, but often in conflict with each other. And you know, and, and it's a hard job. But when you do that well, the downstream effects on the people that are mid-level managers and below is dramatic because they're like, look, the leadership team's not perfect, but man, are they are really, they got our backs and they're pushing us. They're pushing. I'm working with a bank right now, started by a construction guy about 17 years ago and it's you know it's grown like crazy the this is a great place to work and it's not perfect there's chaos they you know they attack problems with with vigor and it leaves a trail of dust behind them sometimes (laughs) but they're able to repair because the intentions are there that they're trying to build something really cool and while they're doing it they do take care of their people. It might be after the fact, but they do take care of their people. And uh, I think that balance of productivity and health is really important. Most teams have some sort of a, maybe it's a rotating, but it's an appointed leader. Would the analogy of a sports team kind of be the same where the the leader of a team's job really is maybe more like a coach? Or let me just ask you directly, what is the leader's job of a team? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, ultimately, and if if you go back to the the my aspiration, our aspiration of the teams we work with, that they hold each other accountable. 
when you're working towards that, CEOs naturally evolve to be being more coaching oriented than directing oriented and much more oriented to be working with their leadership team to set the picture, to set the foundation, to identify what the most important priorities are, and then let people go. Now, again, that's a nirvana state too, you know, no question about it. But if you're aspiring to get to something like that, much more likely to have greater success. So the CEO you know, we started this thing again, 14 years ago, and our aspiration was like, you know, teams are really, leadership teams are so important that it shouldn't matter what the CEO's role is on a team. And boy, were we abused of that, that notion. <laughs> Crit, you know, it's critical. It's absolutely critical, the role they play. They have to model a whole bunch of stuff, like yeah. the values that are espoused, the, you know, the how the, he or she wants the team to operate. And they have to have a strong role in, set, in, in establishing directing, direction. And sometimes they have to play a heavy hand role. But most often what they have to do is push back when the lobbying happens. And I know that sounds like a trivial issue, but we see it all the time. Like you'll have a great meeting, a seemingly great meeting about an important issue. And then the CEO's getting calls, getting knocks on his door, telling him or her why those ideas were such bad ideas and why these ideas are good ones. And so and the ability to say, hey, wait a minute, we had this conversation. Go talk to Jerry. Go talk to Bob. Go talk to Sue and figure this stuff out. And then let's have a conversation about it. But I need yeah. you guys to figure this stuff out. Yeah. So if I'm uh, a leader or I'm on a team, maybe even, and I'm thinking, I need to pick up this book. What am I going to, is there a road, is, what am I going to find in the book? Is it going to be a roadmap, you know, start here, then do this, un- unpack it in the yeah, two, so, two so minutes or so we have. Left. A few things. It's, it really does it. I think it does a pretty good job of talking about why a leadership team is so important and the impact it has on an organization. Number two, it talks um, a lot about, the structural and relational foundation necessary to build a good team. Mm-hmm. And then it, get, it does provide a bit of a roadmap on what are the things you need to do to either repair or to build. And, you know, I'm pretty proud of that part of it. It's pretty practical. There are a lot of other books out there that are, that I believe are really good and inspired me in the work that I do. But I think what we did is got into another level of how do you do this and yeah. why is it so important? Much, much needed. So tell people where they can find uh, the book and find out more about your work, Jack. Yeah. So, so relationshipimpact.com is my website for my firm, but uh, greatleadershipteambook.com is the book's companion website. That I stole from you. I stole the model. And this is my first book. So I've never done this before. And I was like, wow, I got to get one of those companion sites. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jack, it was great catching up with you. And uh, hopefully uh, we can run into each other one of these uh, days out there on the road next time you're visiting your son in in Colorado. I will do that, John. No, no question about it. Thank you so much for, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Hey, and one final thing before you go, you know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand 
Where are you standing that? What needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy? So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing Strategy Assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get.